Well, I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel good tonight. I feel good in the presence of the Lord. It's very, um, I don't know, I don't know if I'm a little disconnected from, I don't think I'm disconnected at all. And if, if anything, I'm connected, but it's just, um, I feel like we could have worshiped all night. I feel like we could have visited all night. I feel like we could just um, hear the prophetic word all night. I just feel comfortable. Do you guys? Well, um, I'm going to start a new series tonight called Yielding, The Power of Yielding. And, you know, we, I've just wrapped up a series on blessings and curses, and I just want to tell you, church, I, I felt like um, I'd preached it before, but I think it was, I think you guys were good ground. Uh, I, just, I just mean I could feel... Um, like it was, it was um, hitting the mark. And when you stood up and, and prayed that prayer with me, I, I hope that you've seen some breakthrough already this week. Um, I don't know what to say other than you know, we were just talking about a comment I'd made a month or so ago is, what are you doing in church if you're not willing, if you're not here to change? You know, and that wants to be taken offensively sometimes. I think it can be taken offensively, but that's not the way I mean it. What I mean is, if there is a better way, why not do that? If there's a way of escape, if there is a way of release, if there is a way of breakthrough, why not try that? And, um, you know... The, the Lord, I, I'm telling you, with, with the Beatitudes and with um, Sermon on the Mount, you know, I, I start reading ahead and I start praying and I start preparing. And we're going to go into adultery and into divorce. And, you know, it, it's going to want to get uncomfortable. Well, don't let it. Listen for your way out, listen for your answer. You know, when we talk about adultery in the next couple weeks, it is the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who are not giving themselves away to the wrong thing. So I want to encourage you. The Lord is leading us. I, I, I feel very excited about where we are, Church on the Hill, and I believe that the Lord is leading and guiding us. And not just that, but we're receiving the leading. Well, I, all i got to tell you is, is if God's word's true, you are going to start seeing some breakthrough in your life. And I believe it to be true. Elizabeth, in her, she's going back to get her master's, and she's, what, what they're trying to teach her is not how to just learn about a topic, but learn how to defend it. And in order to defend it, you've got to know it. Not only do you have to know it, but you've got to apply it. You've got to be able to walk through it, walk someone completely through it. And what we've got to do is we've got to get to where when we face an enemy, we've got to know how to face that enemy, and we've got to know how to defend it. I don't just stand up in the face of the enemy and say, I'm stronger than you. He's going to say, oh yeah, let's, let's, let's throw down. Now I've got to defend what I just said. So what I want to encourage you on is come in here ready to change. I will tell you what happened in worship should change you. 
Our worship is not the kind of worship you can just sit there and not be changed by. And I believe when we get into heaven, I believe the worship of God, the true worship of God around the throne of God is going to change us daily from glory to glory. So I want to encourage you, come in here looking for a new direction, looking for an answer. The power of yielding. Let's just pray. Father, in Jesus' name, your word says that you bless the humble. You give grace to the humble. And Lord, our whole life, if we're really serving you, is a life that yields to you is a life that dies to you. Lord, I just ask that we would continue to step into this this Christian walk. And that's what you're doing, is you are walking us right into your presence, right into your blessing. You are leading us right into where the blessing is. If we will just take that route. Well, help us take it tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the power of yielding. I'm going to start off with kind of the opposite, things that we're not supposed to yield to, even scripturally. And this is going to seem a little bit elementary, but just just bear with me. Number one, we do not yield to Satan, ever. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I believe that we can take this in its most basic sense, that when Satan is at our door, if we will submit to God and resist Satan, even in a childlike way, he's going to go. But we, we don't get the resisting without the submitting. Remember, I think I said it Sunday morning, you can resist all you want, but if you're not submitting, you're not going to get away from Satan. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. But another thing that we never yield from is sin. We do not yield from sin. I can't tell you how many times people have come to me trying to justify their sin. That sounds so dumb, but we do it. We somehow try to make it okay. Sixth chapter of Romans tells us that we are not to yield our members to sin. However, there are circumstances and situations that happen in our live, lives that are only resolved when we yield. And I believe that knowing how to yield is a mark of maturity that I look for in myself and that I esteem in others. Now, I'm, I'm going to just, uh, I, I want to say this right here. In the fall, we're looking to have a marriage conference called um, Love and Respect by, and I can't remember the guy's name, it's weird. Um, but I'm listening to his, I, I, I do a lot of audio books, and I'm listening to his book right now, and let me tell you, it, it is awesome. It's awesome, and it's a very basic message, but it's being presented in a way that I have never heard it presented. And I just want to be, I want to encourage you married couples or couples-to-be or maybe struggling married couples, consider in the fall, we're going to be doing in the fall, a, a, a marriage conference. Um, but this, this whole topic here on yielding ha- has a big part to play in our marriage. 
But we have things in our life that we need to yield. You know, a beautiful thing is a, is a successful yield. And, you know, guys, I don't know whatever you think of the word yield. All I think of is a, a car. The yield sign that we saw just a second ago. But I want you to consider when you yield. I, I bet you don't think about this. But a perfect yield is, is one that doesn't affect anyone. You're able to get on the road and not slow any traffic down, not move any traffic, not, not ask anyone to have to move out of their way. You find your way in smoothly. That's why on the acceleration lanes, getting on the interstate, you need to get up to speed. I mean, I've just gone through this with my 16-year-old teaching her how to get on the interstate. Well, you can't get on the interstate doing 15 miles an hour as much as you'd like to. You can't. You can't get on the interstate doing 100 miles an hour. You need to get on the interstate at the speed limit. Then you hope and pray people are driving the speed limit. And then you look for a place to find. And if you don't find a place, you do not force your way in. Now, I know I have. If you've ever driven around me, I've probably been pretty forcibly driving. I'm not a very aggressive driver, but I, we all drive, don't we? And sometimes you kind of move people over. Nice and gentle, right? Christ-like, right? I'd say the other person isn't thinking Christ-like when I'm getting on. But just think about a perfect merge or a perfect yield is finding how the traffic is going and you finding a way to get in there. And I love it when somebody yields onto the road with me and I don't have to hit my brakes. I don't have to move over. He moves over. He gets out of the way. The scripture I want us to look at tonight is Romans chapter 15, verse 1. And it says, We've been that are strong, ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. I believe this is the scriptural mark of strength. It's not how much you can do, but rather how much you can bear with others' weaknesses. How much can you take? It's very satisfying to be strong in your own ability, in your own ministry, in your own experience. I've just read a book that Miss Tammy gave the, some of the worship team called um, Overcoming Your Shadow Ministry. Shadow Mission, thank you. Overcoming Your Shadow Mission. And it talks about the difference between your giftings and your character. They're not the same thing. But what happens here is so many times we operate in our strengths and our giftings and we're very, we're, we're very strong about it. I know that I can be. But a scriptural mark of strength is those that can bear with the weaknesses of others. It's easy to be the man with all the answers. But that does not really require much spiritual strength. It does require spiritual strength to bear with the weaknesses of others. Let's just go back to driving. How many times have you had to drive behind somebody doing 15 miles an hour in a 45 mile an hour? Today, I saw somebody blow past a car, pass them illegally on 10th Street. You know, and I just, I've been there. You know, you, you, don't, bear, you don't bear with, you... Do your own thing. 
I believe spiritual strength is measured by God and by the Word of God in proportion to the amount that we're able to bear with one another. Spiritual strength is based on how much we can, we can bear. And it's no easy accomplishment. In fact, the exact opposite is the spirit of today. The spirit of today is get what you can for yourself. Let the weak take care of themselves. You know this phrase, the survival of the fittest? Herbert Spencer and Charles Darwin came up with that. You know, the, die, the weak will die and the strong will get stronger. Usually, if something's very strong in the world, it's probably just the opposite in the kingdom. Have, you ever, have, you, have I ever gone over all those kingdom paradoxes? I don't have them tonight. But I mean that the weak will be strong. And the top will be the, the bottom will be the top. You know, there are so many hot topics out there today, politically incorrect and incorrect uh, things out there to, that divide us. And the point I want to make is this. Once we begin to make what suits us the measure of what's right, we're on a slippery path that goes downward into a horrible mess. Whenever all we do is stand for what suits us. Now, can you tell where we're going? Not to please ourselves. One of the outstanding marks of the early Christians was their ability to care for the weak. They cared for the sick. They didn't write them off. The world couldn't understand what made these Christians concerned about people who had nothing to offer. People who had liabilities. But I've come to see that if we write off human liabilities, that's not strength. That's weakness. You know, just this week, if y'all were here Sunday morning, we had an announcement about Avery Trace. And it was uh, informed to us that there were four families that are living in their car. And me, as well as a few others, wanted to respond right then, but, but we didn't. You know, we took up an offering and... Um, I had, a, I had a deacon call me Monday morning and just said, just a, a random member of our church called and just said, let's don't worry about building that building. Let's try to maybe build a, a duplex or a fourplex or something, 500 square feet, something cheap, but we could house these people that are hurting. That, that's not weakness. That's not, that's not weakness. That's strength. And my response was, you know, I believe, I believe that is godly and that if we will take care of them, God will take care of us. So, you know, I was telling this deacon, okay, let's be praying about it. Let's start driving around and let's just have some ideas. And I've only, I've only talked that over with one deacon. But, you know, great. God, God is pleased by faith. I think it moved heaven when that member called and just said, could we maybe think about doing this? So then I, I mentioned, that's great, that's for the future, what can we do now? We can't, we can't house these four families now by trying to build something. It'll take three months, six months, a year, whatever. But we need to move now. And I want to encourage you, you're the church. You're the ones that's got the ability, you're the ones that God's going to move through to, to reach these, these kids to reach these families. So I want to encourage you. First of all, pray, we are a covering of Avery Trace. And when we've got four families that are in this kind of condition, we have some responsibility here. 
Responsibility number one is to pray. We are supposed to pray. Start praying for these four families that somebody will reach out to them and help them or that we will figure out a way to reach out and help them. Now, we take care of four families. Next thing you know, you got 40 at your door. We can't take care of everybody, but we can take care of that what God gives us. So, what I'm trying to say here is our heart taking care of the weak, our heart bearing with the weak, our heart getting dirty and getting right in the middle of it is where God wants us to be. That's where it's strong. So, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. That encouraged me so much to get that phone call. The people who are liabilities, incapacitated, the infirm, the weak believers are the test of our spiritual strength. We've obviously come to a place in the United States and in other countries too where we cannot permit ourselves to live by the established standards of the age. If I'm, a Christian, if I'm a Christian, my first motive is not to try to get away with everything I legally can. My first motive is to please Christ in all that I do. Once we begin to live by seeking to please Jesus, we will inevitably lead a life that is completely different from those that are unconverted around us. You know what's awesome is we don't have to go around beating people with a Bible. If we are living our life completely devoted to Jesus, it will lead them to Jesus. I love that, that if I'm walking this thing out, you know, it, it, being salt and light means I'm walking, I'm doing, I'm where I'm supposed to be, applying myself where I'm supposed to be, and I'm letting the Spirit of God work through me. It doesn't even mean I'm yelling Scripture at people. Nope, I'm salt right where I am. You know what salt will do? It'll start to preserve whatever I'm around, and it'll start to make them thirsty for God. When you get thirsty, you ask for a drink. You don't have to be asked, do you want a drink? You start asking, can I please have some water? You know what they're going to say? Can I please have some more? What it is that you've got, I want. You ever saw somebody get served a piece of cheesecake, and you're sitting there thinking, man, I want what that guy's got. Your mouth starts watering. That's what salt does. Romans chapter 15, verse 1. Let me rephrase. We ought not to please ourselves. Something that I've learned is that every time I want to do anything effective to God, anything that is acceptable to Him, I try not to please myself. It's not always the case, but it's almost always the case. When I'm trying to please myself, it is not pleasing God. Every time I'm pleasing myself, I'm not doing anything that's wor- that is worth anything to God. So what do we do? First thing, we've got to deny ourselves. This ego in me that is always asserting itself saying, I want, I wish... I feel, I think, if you ask me, this is what I like. Last night, I've had every, everybody in my house has been sick except for me, and I am praying somehow by some miracle it goes past me. So be praying, be agreeing with me on that, okay? All five, all five of my, the rest of my family have been stomach bug terrible. 
and Rita Marie got it first, and she was done. So last night, me and her were looking at each other. We were like, what are we going to eat? She doesn't cook, and I don't cook. She cooks a little bit. I cook a little bit, but we didn't want to cook. And Elizabeth said, well, you two just go out. I'm like, well, all right. And I asked her, where do you want to go? And she's a lot like me. I don't care. Just pick. Well, I don't care. You pick. And it becomes a standoff. And let me tell you, she is about the most stubborn person in our household except for me. We both will stand toe-to-toe, and we will not budge. We'll not eat. Isn't that stupid? We'll both just decide. You don't want to go? I don't want to go. What's fine with me? I don't do. And then what happens is we both wind up not blessed. I'm trying to bless her. She's trying to bless me. But how many times do we think in our life... If you ask me, this is what I like, and all the time with your wife or your, with your spouse or in your household, it's all about what you want. All that feeling I want, I wish, I think, I feel has to be denied. I have to say no. There's a problem. There is no problem about what it means to deny yourself because to deny yourself is to say no. All you have to do is say no to yourself. If you don't say no to yourself and keep not saying no, you can't lead a Christian life. You can't be a self-pleaser and a Christ-pleaser. It's impossible. The great thing is, is that as we start to walk according to God's Word, our desires start to line up with His desires, and He gives us the desires of our heart. The time that that happens is when we line up. When we get under the cover, when we get under authority, when we get under the blessing, then all of a sudden what we want is what he wants. And he pours it on us. And the great thing is, God likes good stuff. It's not cheesy, churchy stuff. Can I put it that way? We want to think, well, if... That means we've got to give up anything good. No, look at Abraham. Abraham had it all. Look at Solomon. Had it all. Blessed. God wants to bless you. You know the blessings of Abraham? That's for me. God likes good stuff. Okay, I need to hurry up. I thought I was going to go quick, but not so much. Um, Luke. Chapter 9, verse 23. I'm almost done. And he said to them all, If any man, and let me tell you, that is completely universal. That's for everyone. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What's the first thing you got to do when you uh, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? What's the first step? Deny yourself. (laughs) Nobody told me that when I walked up the aisle. (laughs) Deny myself. You cannot begin to follow Jesus until you make that decision. And then he goes on to say, and take up your cross daily. You know a word I don't like, especially when it comes to things like this? Cross. 
you know, I would love a diet that you could diet for one day and lose all the weight you wanted. But you can't. It's got to be every day. And then the next day. And over and over. It's easy to put on five pounds. I can put on five pounds very quickly. But I can't get it off quickly. Can anybody relate to that? You know, the only way to lose weight is to say no. <laughs> i got to deny myself. Girl Scout cookies. Y'all know i got a problem with them. I had somebody show up and he said, I brought you some Girl Scout cookies. And I'm like, you know, you're acting like the devil to me, but you're acting like you know something I don't know. They go, oh, no, don't you remember last year you were talking about how much you hate Girl Scout No, I love Girl Scout cookies. I hate eating them. But thanks for reminding me. You're right. I love Samoas. Don't you, anybody give me a Samoa. Okay, but I love them. Take up your cross. If you want to have a victorious day, you got to de- deny yourself. If you don't, you're going to wind up in defeat. So what's your cross? Let me just finish with this. You know, one preacher once said that your cross is where your will, your will, and the will of God meet. Does that kind of look like a cross? Your cro- our cross that we've got to take up is where my will and God's will cross. Do you know what a cross is for? A cross is to die on. Take up your cross. What is he saying? Meaning you've got to die to yourself. This world is bigger than you. Jesus went to the cross and he said in John 10, 18, he said, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. I love this scripture. You know what he's saying? No one is going to take your life from you. If you want to hang on to it, you can. I'm going to tell a story as I close about my dad. When he quit smoking, when my, first, uh, my nephew, his first grandchild was born, he decided to stop smoking at that point. And he walked around with a pack of cigarettes in his pocket forever. And I'll probably get this wrong, but I got the microphone, so I'm just going to say it the way I know it. But basically, and I can completely relate to this, is no one was going to tell him he couldn't have one. It was his choice. If he wanted to have one, he would. No one was going to pressure him. You know, all you got to do is, I, I, in my youth, just had a rebellious spirit. All you had to do is tell me what not to do, and that's what I'd go do. I wouldn't know why I wanted to do it. You just told me not to. That's good enough for me. Let's go do it. But as he walked around, he, I mean, it was a beat-up thing of Benson and Hedges or something like that. What was it called? Yeah, that's what I thought. And they were beat up. I'm like, what are you doing? Nobody's going to tell me. I can't have one. No one takes them from me, but I lay down of myself. You can't be pressured into it. You're going to have to do it. Your spouse can't pressure you into it. Your kids can't pressure you into it. Your parents can't pressure you into it. You've got to do it until you deny yourself. Until you take up your cross, you're going to continue to have struggles. Your cross, let me tell you, 
Church, your cross is not your spouse. Unless you've got the power to lay them down and take them up day by day. And you don't. Nor the sickness that you did not choose to have and can't get healed of. Your cross is the place where you can make the decision not to please yourself and to give your heart to Christ, to give your life to Christ. As we sing, that's why I believe worship is so powerful because almost every time in our worship is it a complete offering of ourself. Do you realize what the church gives you a chance to remember? How to line yourself back up with God. We get out here in the world and we get going every direction. And the church comes back together and says, wait a minute. That's the way I was going. Yes, Lord, help me to walk this thing out successfully until I get back here to church. Not just give Christ our heart, our life for this one hour a week. What's great is it's your choice. You know, and there have been times that I have had an inner struggle and I've made the right decision and blessings followed, but I've also had those times in my life where I had that struggle and I caved. And you know, I paid the price for it. You know what Jesus says? Every day. You've got to remind yourself every day You know, in the Old Testament, it talks about the word hanging it around your neck. Talking about it going to work. Talking about it coming home. Talking about it sitting around the table. Why? Because you forget it so easy. Because attack comes so quickly. And we miss it. But you know, if I'm I'm full of the Spirit and Satan shows up, I'm going to be ready. It's when I'm not full of the Spirit that he shows up and I'm not ready. Lord says, take it up daily. Daily. Many times we come to that crossroads of our will and God's will. And we have to see those crossings. See those crossings as God-given opportunities. Not disasters, but opportunities. And I promise you, you will get these blessing opportunities. Amen. Well, before I close, I've got one addition to the prayer list. You don't have your prayer list. Be sure to get one, and please do the cards. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna dismiss you. But we had prayed uh, for a six-week-old child that had a. Um, tell me again, Randy. Missing a, a valve in the heart, the pulmonary valve. Well, this child, this daughter died today, six-week-old. So I want to ask you guys to please do cards for the family of Landon and Candace with a K. Landon and Candace Vick. Landon and Candace Vick. Please do cards for them. This is a local family that loves God and um, has, I, I believe Randy said, four other children. I just feel the need to encourage you again. I want you to know, you start walking according to God's word, the waters are going to start parting. The hills are going to start melting. You're going to show up and that enemy's already going to be dead. That thing you've been worried about, 
you give it to God, you're going to show up and they're going to be gone. But you got to give it to God. You got to deny yourself. Get in the Word. Get praying with somebody. Get connected to the church. And let's have some victory. Will y'all stand up with me? Father, I just ask you to help us to learn to yield. I just ask you, Lord, that as we go down this direction, Lord, that it would just be, uh, it would just be the, the answers that we need. That we, would, that we would submit to your word and to your authority and that, Lord, we would get hungry to get in your word. And, Lord, as we hear your word, that we would try to walk it out just with baby steps. Just start baby step walking according to your word. And Lord, your word says that when we start coming towards you, you come toward us. That if we would draw near to you, you would draw near to us. Well, help us, Lord, to just make a decision to draw near. To deny ourselves. I just pray for these families at Avery Trace, Lord, and I just pray that tonight they have a place to sleep. Pray that they have food on their table. And that, Lord, those children could do their homework at a table. Just keep your heads bowed with me, but as I was, we were talking about this this week, Justin said he lived in his car with his family for a while. Pastor Justin in this church. And that the teachers would yell at him for not having his homework done. And he couldn't do it in his car. Lord, show us here at Church on the Hill how to, how to meet the needs of these hurting that you've, that you've brought in our pathway. Thank you, Lord. We just bless you, Lord. Just bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just say this. This may sound, this may come out wrong, but just forgive me ahead of time. It's not my job to go meet all those people's needs. It's the church's job. So what, what I don't want you to do is to think, oh, give Pastor Paul wisdom to go take care of those families. No, what I'm praying is release the church to go and meet this need. Now, I'm part of that. I'm not trying to remove myself from it. I'm not at all. I'm I'm in it. If y'all know this, that's where I'm at. I'm in it. But if the Lord moves in you, move. You don't have to call the church. You can call the church. doesn't matter. We need to go meet the needs of those people that are in need. Okay, can y'all receive that okay? Okay, amen. God bless you. Y'all have a great rest of the week. We'll see you Sunday morning.